welcome to Big Business Briefs with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. And this week we're talking about pubs. <laughs> Yay! We it, should just be doing this in a pub, shouldn't we? I don't think we really we got thought that it wrong. Oh no. Well, it's not as if we haven't been in enough pubs between us. Even yeah. together. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> Okay, so this was prompted by an article a couple of days ago in, um, well, it was on the BBC, but I've seen it since. This article's everywhere. It's about the number of pubs in England and Wales falling. So there's been some research done uh, by a real estate consultancy called Altus Group. And they've said that uh, the number of pubs in England and Wales is down by more than 7,000 in the last 10 years which I thought was quite a large number. I thought, well, okay, maybe we lost some in COVID. But it wasn't all just in the last two years with COVID. There's been a real change in in that industry. It's interesting because uh, the reasons for it, I think, are are quite broad. So my feeling is it's a bit of a, a shift as to what people want to do with their spare time and spare money. How they want to socialise. Yeah, I th- yes, I think that's got a lot to do with it. I think there's also things like um, drink driving, you know, over yeah. the last 25, was it 1987 that we really started to think about alcohol and the use of alcohol yeah. and the sort of stigma attached with the use of alcohol. So pubs will have suffered as a result of that. Young people... Do- not all, but a lot of young people don't drink as much. No, and the days as we used to, as we yeah, as yeah. we used to, and a lot of the you know having a few pints on the way home. Those days, are yeah, doing... again, probably uh, in line with drink driving, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's interesting because the article on the BBC refers to some um, study um, done by the ONS, the Office for National Statistics, in 2019, that actually made it looked as if that that sector was expanding and it had started to expand for the first time in a decade. But it would appear that COVID, et cetera, et cetera, has sort of uh, made a mockery of that report and it's it's taken a big downturn. Yeah, I think the other thing is that those boozers that used to just sell booze, people want food. People are more likely to go out and want food yeah. In a pub. You know, you know, I, we were in a pub in um, in Skipton weekend before last and it it was a sort of um, a real ale pub and the only food they sold were pork pies and crisps. You know, that's how it used to yeah. be. You didn't... In every pub. In every pub, yeah. yeah it was you, gourmet dining if they had a cheese sandwich behind the exactly. counter wrapped in cling film. That had been there since Wednesday <laughs> or Thursday last week. Yeah, but there is a rise of the the pub that is like a food pub, isn't it? And then their destination pubs. I, I was out just this uh, weekend with my mum celebrating her birthday, and we went to one of the small chain pubs in yeah. the area, and and it was full. It was full of people, but it was full of big groups of people meeting up for Sunday lunch. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's you know a big part of it, and. Uh, again, a lot of the pubs that you see are sort of harvester-type places, you know, where the food's cheap and cheerful and people know what they're going to get and you can take your dog and you can take your kids and, it, you know, it's much more... 
again, you know, kids didn't used to really be allowed in pubs. <laughs> I remember as a kid sitting outside with a bottle of pop and a bag of crisps. crisps. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. was that. a treat. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Showing my age now. But from a business point of view, I think it's becoming harder and harder to make money because the breweries are, you know, now, that, now you have metres on, um, on pumps, you know, so liquid is measured much more efficiently than it used to be so it's mm. it becomes harder and harder uh to, to to turn a profit people have got more entertainment at home you know darts dominoes quiz nights all of those types of things yes they still exist in some pubs but not everybody wants to do that sort of yeah, thing yeah and anymore. people are socializing at home i mean how many people in the last few years have built a pub in their garden well, yeah. <laughs> so many people I know have done that, and and then you can buy the alcohol more cheaply, but you can still have your friends, yeah, and socialise, can't you? Yeah. The other issue um, that the article raises is that the inflation is really um, bit hard in the first half of twenty twenty two. So, um, according to this re- um, research by Altus, four hundred pubs in England and Wales closed last year. 200 shut in the first half of 2022 due to inflation eating into their profits. When they were already running on... Yeah, on fumes. Yeah, yeah. literally on fumes. And, and we've talked about customer service uh, oh. over the last few months, haven't we? And and it really shows in, in the pubs, particularly the ones that are serving food, is that they struggle to get the hospitality staff as well. Yeah, I mean, some of this ONS data is is up till 2019, and that's before COVID, obviously, and before people didn't want to work, you know, stopped wanting to work in the um, service industry so much. But, you know, considerable numbers of people, there was was a steady growth in in the percentage of people who, the the thousands of people who were working in pubs, and it was increasing and it was increasing up until 2019. Um, but I think there would have been a huge dip now. Yeah. Because people are like, why would I want to work in a pub? Why would I want to work evenings? Why, why would I want to work for minimum wage? What, yeah, exactly. Why would I want to work with all those grumpy people who now they've come out of lockdown? <laughs> Moan about everything. Yeah, and want everything to literally shame. on a plate. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what about the the fact that the, the demographics are changing as well? So um, I, you made the point, and so did the BBC, that younger people are drinking less yeah. um, than, than us Generation Xers, I'm uh, <laughs> afraid so. Um, and, and I think there's a bit of a reinvention going on because some of the real exciting places I've been to recently are smaller. So you're like, you've got more sort of concept bars so um, I'm, I'm thinking of some of the places that sell the, the real um, artisanal crafty type yeah. beers in cans. Um, and there's a few of those that I've been to, real micro places. They're not yeah. like a traditional pub at all. They've got a, a, a niche, uh, yeah, yeah, quite a niche market. And also I've noticed popping up are these sort of gaming venues. Some people go and play board games or yeah. uh, Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. And may- maybe it's about these social meetings aren't going to be going forward just about sitting around a pint and having a bag of crisps. And a chat. Yeah. People, yeah, people. It, so maybe it's more the experience. It's more experiential rather than a way of unwinding. 
yeah. you know, so just going to get pissed, yeah, or because you've had a long week, yeah, or wind down at the end of the day. You're actually going not, and maybe I don't know, maybe it's because people aren't so good at conversation anymore, then they feel that they need to be stimulated by playing a game or, um, you know, or doing an activity, but it's yeah. not dancing or maybe they're anymore, just not relying on the alcohol to provide the entertainment, to a good time, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I've got to say, I've I've been out with work midweek for the past few weeks. It's sort of been um, entertaining. We'd go out to some admittedly eatery type pubs, but midweek they're really busy. So it isn't that traditional. Let's save it up for the Friday. Mm. Um, People are going out and not necessarily drowning their sorrows on a Tuesday night. They're going out for an experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, crikey, you know, once upon a time, it was only the blokes that went out in the week and then they took the missus out on a Saturday night and bought her a baby sham and she sat in the corner sat with... Sat in the lounge, Bob's missus. not in the bar. Yeah, not in the bar, yeah, sat in the lounge. One other thing that, that I've noticed, and certainly, you know, when, when we've been out um, recently, shops, retail units have changed into niche bars. Yeah, yeah. You know, cocktail bars, beers... Um, so, so it, uh, well, I'm thinking about one one good example of um, a venue, a hospitality venue that is is sort of a, what you might have put in that niche. Bank Street Social in Wrexham, really small coffee shop. Yeah. But during the, they started to get beers before that. But during the pandemic, when when the coffee shop wasn't allowed to open, he started a trade of delivering beers, and they were all those canned and bottled sort of niche beers. Yeah. And he was delivering them, and now he's sort of got that as part of his business as well. So he's part coffee shop, part bar, and it's just it's got that nice vibe. He opens to have. He'll have people in, having meetings there. So we used to go to a book club there of an mm-hmm. evening. And that sort of vibe, really. So it's not... You wouldn't say that was a pub. No. It, it's a it's a cafe, a licensed cafe. Yeah. But you can use as a venue if you yeah. want to socialise specifically. Space. Yeah. A space, a social yeah. space. Yeah. And we've been there and heard music, haven't yeah. we? Yeah. 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 performers there. Yeah. I wonder whether um, part of this is about... Uh, the pubs that are closing or the ones, the pubs that have closed are the ones that haven't moved with the times. And so people vote with their feet. And so if you're running, if you're running a pub that's got, you know, fruit machines and um, and a rubbish range of drinks. Sticky carpet. And sticky carpet, then people are perhaps less likely to want to go there than if you've got real ale or if you've got why did, again, why did we this place in Skipton? They didn't really do wine. I mean, they did wine, but I didn't really want wine. And I was drinking real cider, but I didn't want too much of that. So, But normally, if Stuart and I were going to a pub, we'd probably be looking for somewhere where I could have a glass of wine and he could have a nice beer. Yeah. So we're trying to tick multiple boxes. Yeah. So a boozer that doesn't really do wine or only does wine on a pump, you know, <laughs> on tap... Maybe it's the... Yeah, I'm thinking of a couple of places we've been to in Shrewsbury. So there was that uh, place on the run-up from the... Well, there's a couple of places on that run-up from the station. There's the Tap and Can, and that they do... There's pumps, and they've got yeah. the... Like, and that's always busy whenever I've been there. Yeah. Cans of beer. Yeah. Go a bit further up, and there's the wine bar. It's 
quite yeah, specific. Yeah, sells wine. Yeah, they sell wine. They, it's a wine bar, very specifically. Do little nibbly types of food. Cheese. Go a little bit further up. And then there was that other bar that we went to. <laughs> it sounded like we'd been on a pub crawl. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, well, we yeah. didn't go in all of them, did no, we? No, no. Well, I've, I've, not at in some point not, I've been. Yes, but yeah. not all on that. We weren't like three pubs in by the time we got to Master Spencer's. <laughs> not, quite. not quite. But then there, there was that bar that, you know, sort of, Again, it had a younger sort of feel to it. Yeah. Didn't exclude an older clientele, otherwise they wouldn't have let us in, would they? But it was a different vibe to what I would have thought of. I wouldn't have called it a pub. No, it's a bar. Yeah. It's a bar. But, it, yes, it's got real ales. You could try the real ales. It's got some ciders. It was basically two small shops joined together by a bit of a sort of like a bridge. Do you oh, remember? It was like a yeah, little... Yeah, we had to go over a little bridge yeah. to get there. So yeah. quirky, not everybody's cup of tea. But as you say, you know, on that approach, actually, um, there's something. If you want to drink wine, you can go to Glue Glue. There's the traditional pub. Yeah, still. there's a boozer. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so my gut feeling is, apart from duty, you know, and, and it being much, much harder to turn a profit in a pub anyway, I think that there's also something about the chain people's um what people want yeah from a boozer and what they need from a boozer i think it's a bit like it's exactly the same as the conversation we've had about the high street yeah what people are wanting from that high street is different and we've talked about it being an experience haven't it it's about experiencing the products or something different or something that you know so maybe all of these same pubs maybe people have got used to them or maybe that's what they like about it. I'm not quite sure. Mm. We'll, we'll find out anyway. Mm. Mm. Your favourite pub hasn't gone, has it? Have you got a favourite? Oh, well, do you know, that changes. It depends what mood I'm in. So there's a local boozer that we go to, although it does food. So I quite like to go there. Um, but then in the other direction, there's a... Um, it's, it's a sort of pub and restaurant on um, a park that's got amazing lodges and things like oh, yeah. that and it's a it's a circular wooden building so it's quite nice to go there for a slightly different vibe so it it depends really what mood yeah. i'm in and if i want a pub to sit outside i'd probably go there i probably wouldn't go to the boozer see i pity the the pub industry coping with people you're one person yeah with multiple different yes re- it's not just one size fits no it's all, not it? and if and again if i were with different people I probably go to different places. It's so, so I think we've all become a bit more discerning. Okay, is that what we're taking from that twelve-minute discussion? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Shall we move on to our review then? Now, when I was reading this header, there was a bit of me. I was like, I'm sure we've done this before. I, it felt so familiar, but I can't for the life of me see that we did. It's not recorded in anything that we've done before, but it's bringing up familiar stories a familiar idea of something that we've explored before right okay so the book is called company of one yeah by a gentleman called paul jarvis you you spotted this and i think probably um because it chimes with um your own work um identity as well yeah. so we, we've talked a bit, a bit previously about yeah. your work and you very purposefully are not aiming for growth yeah, as so a measure I've, of success. I've been a sole trader and now I'm a sole company director. 
and I have no intention whatsoever of growing and expanding and employing staff. What I found really interesting was reading this, and and I, I totally am on board with this this whole. I, we shouldn't focus on growth, but the thing that I suddenly went, oh yeah, that's it. Growth is often the measure of success. Yeah. Why should that be the only measure of success? Yeah, because absolutely, because you could have, and indeed, I've worked for companies where they have grown exponentially. And then that's not sustainable. And then they fail. And then they fail. So, Or they lose control. So can, you hear it so often, don't you? Like a family firm, it's grown, it goes through that tricky phase as it's grown a bit mm. more, and then it all goes to shit because, yeah. one, the, the family's lost control or they haven't grown properly. You know, Whereas actually, if they just wanted to keep it as a nice family-run business, they wouldn't have gone beyond that barrier. What is it that's pushing them to go beyond what what is comfortable and it's because it's the traditional measure of success i i was um i was working with an organization a few years ago and they were looking at funding and the key thing that would open this funding is for you to define how much you're going to grow yeah and it's like okay so the only way you're going to get funding is by expansion very and, and that was a considerable funding, but that was the only definition of what would be marked as success. Yes, because it's the numbers, it's the return on investment, and it's it's volume, and 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 at some point, people get not everybody. I'm not suggesting this is true of every company, but at some point, some pe- people get greedy, so they start to enjoy the growth and the profitability and the kudos. And then they try to strip out, okay, so how do we make more money? So so we reduce the quality, we reduce the level of service, and that's where a business then can fail because... Uh, what was, you've made them stand out yeah. for being a good quality company, yeah. suddenly it's all gone Yeah, yeah. For, the, for the sake of just having more customers yes. rather than good quality customers yeah. treated well. Yeah, so in my situation, I'm not saying I'm the best trainer in the world. I am, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But if I'm training, I have absolute control over what the customer's going to get. So if I've sat in front of a customer and said to them, do you want some of this, then uh, some of me delivering that, that's what they're going to get. You can't clone me um, and I'd need to... I'd need to be really prescriptive about what it is I deliver. And ultimately, if you went down that route, does that mean that then that your job in itself is less fulfilling for you? If, if you're having to worry about whether somebody's delivering it properly, yeah, whether you're having to manage them yeah. and, and then you're trying to sell that, but you're, yeah. you're hoping that they deliver it how you would want it. Ultimately, it comes down to how satisfying your job then becomes. Yeah, and I don't want to lie awake at night wondering if I can sell enough business to sell to pay two people's salaries. Yeah. Because inevitably, again, I've worked in businesses where you pay everybody else first and then you wait a bit until <laughs> there's money for you to be paid. But, but this, Let's go back to this book yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but the book is is basically highlighting why being a a company of one it is a good thing yeah it's saying stay small and question 
blind growth. He uses that phrase, blind growth. It's like, don't just grow for the sake sake of of it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a conscious... It's a conscious thing. He says that a company... It's won- not it, It's not sort of like celebrating the fact that you failed to grow. It's no. a conscious decision yeah. to not, not grow. grow. Yeah. Not grow. And that doesn't mean that you can't grow to the point where there's... The, you know, when I started... Doesn't mean to say there's only one person. No. It, he's very clear in that yeah. definition. It's like it, you could employ more people. It's you make a decision at what point you're okay have, stopping there. Yeah. So yep. if that's employing 10 people, that's okay. If that's employing one person like yep. you, that's, that's okay. okay. Yeah. Because when I started and when anybody starts as a, as a freelancer, for example, well, it's unlikely you're going to hit the ground running at such a speed that you don't need to grow your client base. You don't need to sell more business. But there will come a point when that's enough, you know, it, there's enough. Yeah. Um, so he's he's saying, you know, it's not about being a small business. It's not about being a freelancer. It's a conscious decision not to expand beyond that that size of business. Yeah. And I think there's some really um, good advice in here as well. So before you quit your day job, develop a skill, a marketable skill yeah. as well. So yeah. make sure you can do something that yeah. somebody wants to pay for. Yeah, just because you think that they want it, doesn't that? necessarily mean that they will and I, I thought the other bit that had me sort of uh, say yes that, he's right being self-employed um it said debunk the myth that that is the answer because a lot of people are like oh when i'm self-employed it'll all be roses you just point out that you're a department of one if you're yeah. self-employed and that's how you start off you've got to do the payroll you've got to do the accounts you've got to do the sales, you've got to do the marketing, you've got to do all of that. Yeah. If you can balance that with the benefits you get from also then making all the decisions, because that is the major, that's the major benefit from being a person, yeah. uh, like self-employed, you're in control. Yeah, yeah. But you've got to balance that with it's damn hard work as well. Yeah. And are you prepared to do that? Now, I'm not saying that you can't employ somebody to help you with the payroll, or you can't get a bureau to do it or accounting department, but ultimately... It stops with you, so you can't just say it's not my department. Yeah, if you if you don't do it, it doesn't get done. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but I think that was really important to say because some people then think, oh, you know, everything will be fine once I'm self-employed. Mm. Will it though? <laughs> yeah, because you haven't got an IT department when your when your computer doesn't work. There isn't tech support. You've got nobody else to blame. Yeah, you've got to figure it all out. Yeah, so having got that um, out of the way, I, I think that that's a really good point. Yeah. You know, just like before you, you, you jump into being self-employed, what, make sure you've got something that people, is, want. people want to buy. Yeah. And also, um, don't forget, there's some other hard work to do as well. Yes, yeah. The, one other thing that he talks about is that when he says that when we start out, we tend to focus on unnecessary things like office space, website, business cards, computers and scaling, etc., um, if we're adding expenses at that stage, um, then we're probably growing too fast. And I do remember, and I'm sure a lot of people do it, you know, maybe not so now because the business card is... A, Get the stationery. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, I've got my business cards, therefore I've got a business card. real now. Yeah, and, and, you, and a website with my phone number. Well, the phone ain't going to ring hmm. unless you tell people that you're sitting there waiting for it to ring. So, again... You know, if, if, if you need all of that up front, you're probably growing too quickly. 
because it's it's a striking a balance between enough and too much. So in the book, he uses his own example. So he he was um, he was working in tech, wasn't he? Uh, oh, in marketing. He decided to to go it alone, and he uses some other examples of people that have done the same sort of things, and and they made these decisions. Um, I think one just stands out as a cartoonist. So he was um, he was in marketing, but he'd always used um, always done drawings and done cartoons as a hobby, and right. then he found out actually that he could make a living from that more than he could from in his job as an exec in marketing. But he got that work-life balance. So all the um, examples that I've really zoned in on are the ones where they've gone, okay, yeah, this is enough. Now the rest is about me time. Yeah. So there's one guy um, he was talking about an accountant who oh, I, I can take the rest of the year off now. My mind was like, oh, but what? But what? But yeah, what? Yeah. Like, well, why can't he? You know, there was that. Oh, who's going to keep it running? What you know? What if you? Clients ask, you know, what about when you decide to come back if the clients have gone somewhere else? It's like, it's obviously working for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's about choice. It's about choice. And that you then, it's about, um, is the tail wagging the dog? Yes. Yeah. So sometimes you get stuck in a cycle where you can't, you can't escape, you can't step off the wheel. It's interesting, isn't it? Because so many people decide to become self-employed so that they can be making the decisions. And the decision they really struggle with is turning down work, mm. is mm. is stopping, is is going, you know, having a day off. Yeah. So many self-employed people I know just can't switch off. It took me ages to, to not feel guilty if I... Which is bizarre, because, like, who's going to say... Come and tell you off. Yeah, he's yeah. going to tell me off if I decide I'm not going to work on Friday because I haven't got any paid work in the diary. I'm up to date with everything. I can take that time off. But it took me ages to uh, to not feel guilty about it. We're, we're all different. We're all different. Anyway, it's it's a good read, isn't it? Anything yeah. else that uh, caught your eye in there? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think it's interesting. I, I like the examples that he gives because it just... It does just sort of bring it to life a little bit about what he's actually talking about. And, yeah, it's not for everybody. And he does just debunk that whole, you need to grow. If you've got a business, you need to grow it and you don't actually need to grow it. But we've touched on this. It's quite a few months back now, is it, when we've looked at books on um, economics and alternative views of the economy which say you know we, we can't continue to grow the whole current system is based on year after year growing and actually the world can't support that can it no. so you know so you start with your business decide where you want to be and 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 get better not bigger i think that's the phrase yeah. he uses isn't it yeah. improve the quality of your offering without actually feeling under pressure to constantly grow it yeah and i think decide where you want to go once you get there you can review how you yeah, feel you about can it decide things. where you want to go again yeah you, it's not a case of right i'm consciously deciding now not to grow and, and i then, will never grow and i'll never grow and then an opportunity presents itself it's not being, about being closed to um to opportunity but anyway yeah that's uh, a company of one by 
Phil Jarvis, is it? Or Paul, Paul Jarvis. Paul Jarvis. There we go. <laughs> Scroll okay. to the top of your page, yeah. yeah. Paul Jarvis. Paul Jarvis. Now, this next one flummoxed me a bit, Heather. So, um, Heather suggested that we review a, a company that's... There's so much about it, yet actually when I was starting to dig about it, there's so little about it. Yeah. Because a lot that is said about this company is sort of surface level and there's two very extreme sides to it. The real supporters and the real detractors. And actually I'm not sure I learned much more along the way because the there's no real middle ground with the people who talk about this company, unless you've found it. No, no, there isn't. It, it is a little bit like Marmite. You either love it or you loathe it. And also, let's not forget that it is on the other side of the world. It's okay. in China. So, so we're calling it, about, talking about shine. Or sheen. Sheen, is or it? Sh well, sheen. 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 Oh, yeah, according to this pronunciation here. But I call it shine. Shine. Yeah. Sheen. S-H-E-I-N. A Chinese company. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's fast, fast fashion. So immediately you're going to get people that love fast fashion and people that hate it. And then some people in the middle who go, I don't really know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the Lots of controversy. Well, an awful... Let's start with the controversy first, okay? So... Lots of controversy around the fact that um, it, it's cheap, people buy it, they wear it a few times and they bin it. Yeah, right? so and that, that's fast fashion. That's fast fashion and it's not good for the environment. And also it's made all made in China. They're yep. very upfront about that. It's yep. all made in China. And then it is shipped to destination. And, and that's fast as well because they see a product... Mm, We'll yeah. get onto that yeah. next. Yeah. yeah. And then they ship it out to the market. Yeah. And when the idea is that you're expected to chuck it away after a few wears. Yeah. Yeah. So it's mass production. And again, one of the challenges is that they um there's it is believed that the people that work for them are literally working in sweatshops. They're not their working conditions are terrible, they're not paid terribly well. And the work that they're doing is they're basically ripping off fashion ideas from other companies and turning them around really quickly. Now, if my memory serves me correctly, there's a company called Lipsy yeah. in the UK, and they used to do something similar yeah. where they'd look at the catwalk stuff and they'd see a particular dress, and by the next day they'd be manufacturing something very similar. Yeah, I'm not suggesting that the conditions that people were working under were um, were the same. But it's not unusual for all of the... Cheap versions of catwork. Exactly. Catwork stuff, yeah. yeah. If, 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 if next season, if the autumn, if the spring colour is purple, everybody already knows that. And they're looking for fabrics in purple and they're designing puff sleeves, not puff sleeves, puff ball skirts, not puff ball skirts, tall, slim, whatever. Yeah. Um, so... So it's not an unprecedented or unique way of doing things. It's just some of the controversy surrounding the way that they do it. And also when you, you say in terms of copying, uh, I think that's one of the big issues is like, because you get to hear about that, don't you? If they're copying big trademarks, yeah. then they've got the money behind it to fight it, haven't they? Yeah. But I think what they've also been accused of is stealing from the smaller um, independents. Yeah. So there's a bit of me that goes, well, if you're stealing from a big company, you know, you're fighting like with like. But if you're stealing a design from somebody 
small independent who's just making their way that's a tougher one to call and you might not have heard about that years ago people probably did that quite a lot yeah however now it it is all over social media when they do it yeah and because the world is a smaller place and it is easier to move stuff around to have those things made overseas you know you, you could literally take a photograph of something here now and it can be on the other side of the world you know, in minutes on somebody working on it. Yeah. So apparently they can process it from idea to production three days after they identify a trend. That is fast, isn't it? Yeah, it is amazing. And they're doing all of that. And then because of the volume, they're able to, and the the staffing, etc., they're able to sell it very cheap. So the average item costs £7.90. Wow. Okay. And... Also, what I read is that they only do small quantities. So in one way, that will increase its desirability because there's only a small run of it. But another one, there's way less waste for them as well. Yeah, and they're on to the next thing. Yeah, so let's move it quickly. Yeah, yeah, they're not heavily invested. So the pricing is a big thing. Another thing that they've done is that they've used social media channels tiktok not surprisingly yeah massively (laughs) massively uh to to saturate the market so a fantastic marketing method that not everybody not a a lot of um fashion well a lot of businesses in general but certainly fashion businesses were late to the party with that so they yeah they've, they've maxed tiktok well which is a chinese company yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Very patriotic of them, yeah. yeah. But they've got these influencers that actually love their, 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 do they call them? Now you've got me confused, Shine, Sheen, Hall, and they'll, they'll be oh. doing little videos of them with all the stuff that they've got and generating the marketing for for Shine, Sheen, Shine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's call them Shine for now. Shine, yeah. okay. Um, and then they're giving them discounts as well. So it's that whole yeah. influence, I think. Although, why you want a discount on a £7.90 item? I don't know. I, at the risk of sounding like a dinosaur, I, I, I do scoot around on TikTok from time to time. Um, I'm mostly interested in finding like indie musicians and things like that. But yeah, you do see people with these halls, H-A-U-L-S. And I'm like, how do they, like, how do they get that? How does, at what point, you know, in the chicken and the egg scenario, do they approach Shine and say, I've got this many followers, send me some stuff and I'll promote it? Or does Shine spend time looking for people who've got lots of followers and then approach them and say, do you want some stuff? I, 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 don't, I don't really know I, how I think they spend a lot of their time using social media, so they're probably keeping an eye out for um, TikTok and YouTube videos with, mm. with big hits, and mm. they create this symbiotic relationship, don't they? But, yeah, that's that's just one area. What else is con- controversial is uh, the use of offensive images. So they apparently, in July 2020, they started to market a swastika necklace. Yes. Poor taste. They said it was a Buddhist religious symbol, yeah. which indeed the swastikas have, have got a different history. But, you know, to be fair, it is now associated with yeah. Nazis, isn't it? Um, they had a data breach in 2018. Um, there were some concerns about the chemicals in the products. 
um, to the extent that some of them were actually recalled in Canada, um, and high levels of lead in products. Don't know how you have lead in um, in materials, but that, that was guess. a thing. Presumably in the dyes. I don't. I don't know. I don't know whether. I don't know. Um, human rights violations. Now on their website, they do have um, references to. Um, um, their um, ethics around their supply chain, but reading one article, they were saying it's it's a little weak. Their yep. statements, it's like pointing at their suppliers rather than themselves. Um, and yeah, this is where I wasn't quite sure. I didn't land on a a definite, but um, according to Reuters, Shine have also been in violation of anti-slavery laws in Australia and a breach of the 2015 Modern Slavery Act in the UK. Yeah. So that's not great, but clearly it's not doing them any harm at the moment. No, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? Because there's also, um, have also been stories about people who are involved in the manufacturing process putting messages asking for help. Yeah, I read somewhere about them working 75-hour weeks, which is even in breach of Chinese labour law. Yeah, yeah. So it's difficult to get to the bottom of of, of the truth of all of that. Um, But they've started to respond to some of that by investing in, I think it's in in Guyana, I can't... I'm not sure where the story is, that they are funding some environmental project to try and offset some of their... Oh, I can't find it. Um, anyway, I read somewhere that they are that they're funding uh, or trying to offset some of the issues through investing in some sort of environmental cause i think it's in guyana but uh, so th- so they're aware of the controversy um but i suppose and it's owned by one man it's owned by an individual um who didn't start work in fashion he actually um, was involved in chris hugh is that we chris about? hugh yeah i think i think he was in i want to say he was involved in some sort of um chemical business but anyway I do you know he was a search engine optimization specialist oh was he yeah <laughs> according to this um in 2008 he founded this company it was a search engine optimization marketing uh, specialist which sort of makes sense with what he's yes, doing that he's yeah he's using those skills and that he didn't design and make the clothes originally that's right that's right yeah, they they were just buying them from the market and selling them on. But he's obviously found a business model that clearly works. I think is it worth about fifteen billion pounds now? Yes, yeah, it's immense. It's immense. So controversial, incredible growth, fifty percent year on year growth um, after being launched in two thousand and eight. I think. If they, if this guy spots that the tide is turning and fast fashion isn't the thing, and that um, you know, sort of more sustainability is is now what people want, and and he's not going to sell fifteen billion pounds worth of 
um, goods on the fast, fast fashion market. I've seen no reason why he wouldn't just pivot and change his business model to suit. This is a business that's suiting the zeitgeist, but then again, the criticism is he's feeding it as well. He's yeah. feeding fast fashion. It's amplifying the whole effect. But do you not think that they will respond if that starts to change? Or do we push them to a higher standard and say, actually, they should be the change? Well, and I think that that, again, it goes back to it's it's quite difficult because it's difficult to to actually get from the horse's mouth what they are doing, what they aren't doing, yeah. how it actually And without yeah. getting on a plane... What they say they're doing is actually what they're doing. Ex- yeah. 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 So, yeah, without actually going there and seeing for myself, it's difficult to gauge the truth of it. Um, he's clearly a very shrewd businessman. You would expect that if the tide, and I think the tide is already turning, about this disposable fashion, that he will. Yeah, my, my daughter is, is very not into that, and she's wanting second-hand clothes yeah. as well and uh, a lot of her friends are the same way that's just maybe a small percentage of the yeah. market but you know if a few people are doing that yeah there is hope i guess yeah yeah what about you are you a follower of fast fashion no i don't think i am i don't think i am um not least because I tend to keep my clothes for a very long time until I've grown out of them. And then when I have grown out of them, I keep them even longer. I'm thinking about some of the items I've got in my wardrobe. You couldn't class them as fast in any yes, way. And, and to be honest, I've never been, you don't have to look at me to know, I've never been a follower of fashion. I've always sort of worn what I wanted to wear. I'm not really a fashionista. Um and I'm certainly, I certainly never was one of those girls who'd go out on a Saturday buy buy a dress, wear it Saturday night, and then never wear it again. I, I just couldn't afford to do that. No. And I wouldn't do it now, because if I buy something, I try tend to buy something that I like, and if I don't like well, it, I would send you have it to done it if shop. if the item was the equivalent of seven pound ninety when you used to go out as a teenager? Probably not, because. Um, I'm I'm not so I imagine with shine an extra large dress based on you know measurements isn't going to fit me. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so so I think there's also that that I wear what I wear because hopefully I try to wear things that suit me rather than wearing fashion things which often haven't suited me. What about you? Are you a fast fashion girl? Nah, never, never really. Charity shop purchases when I was a teenager, sometimes to do with cost, but often to do with just wanting to look a bit different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly managed that, Heather. Well, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Looking a bit different. <laughs> so, so I suppose that there are lots of stories in the press about Shine. Um, I don't imagine it's going to go away anytime soon, but uh, yeah. It's not for us, really, is it? No, it's not for us. But we can admire the genius of how he's used TikTok in particular um, and YouTube to... to Yeah, we we might not approve of the way that they they actually get the products made and to market, but, yes, admire the business now to actually 
get that achieved. Yeah, is that got, what we're saying? They've got yeah. 250 million followers across all social media platforms So that they're involved with. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Well, there we go then. So episode 201. It only seems like two minutes since we decided to do a podcast. What could I say? <laughs> You really need to listeners, it probably feels like yeah. Like, <laughs> are they still going on? Those two haven't tuned in for a while. Yeah, they're still there. <laughs>